Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're going to look at the birth of Christ and see why it is so important. Uh, Number one, it was predicted. And if we can start back in Genesis chapter number three, if you can get that passage of scripture, all Old Testament prophecy points to the coming Savior. And Genesis chapter number three, verse number 15, we see that first prophecy of the Savior. Look at verse number 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and bruise thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The woman's offspring is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was virgin born. Uh, we need to we need to emphasize and, and, and always always mention that. Uh, bruise thy head, that's Christ's triumph over sin, that's the old serpent, the devil, and he did that on the cross. So way back in the third chapter of Genesis, we see uh, his humanity, the prophecy of Christ's humanity. He's going, he's going to come. Uh, we also, let's go to Isaiah, look at the next verse here. We'll go to Isaiah chapter 9, another, I'm sure, familiar chapter or verse of Scripture, Isaiah chapter number 9. We see the deity of Christ uh, prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9, if we look at verse number 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, watch it, the Mighty God. Amen and amen. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You get into Christ, you are in the everlasting Father. Praise his name. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord host will perform this. Now, we all know when Jesus came, his first advent, he came as a man of sorrows. He came as a suffering servant. He came to die and pay for the sins of the world. His first coming had nothing to do with him being a king. When he comes back, his second advent, his second coming, that's the kingdom. That's the king. That's his kingship coming and setting up a millennial 1,000 year literal reign on a literal physical earth. And, but that's not what his birth was for. His birth was his first coming. He came to die. His second coming, the second advent will be kingdom prophecies fulfilled 
So just make that distinction there. Uh, joy to the world. We see that uh, our, our hymnal that you see, we have, it says the birth of Christ, not Christmas, because it's a mass. It's a Christ mass that the Roman Catholics had started. We see the birth of Christ, and then we see joy to the world. Where is that placed? In the millennial kingdom section. That's Christ coming as a king. But oh, no, in that manger, in that manger, he came as a suffering servant to die for the sins of the world. Uh, let's go to uh, Micah. Let's go to Micah. That's going to be right after Jonah. That'll be the book of Micah. Right before Nahum. You go all the way past Isaiah, go past Daniel. And then you'll come to the book of Micah. And while you have the book of Micah, get Proverbs chapter number eight as well. So we can go through all of this. Proverbs eight. And Micah, uh, we'll do Micah chapter five, it is. Micah five and Proverbs eight. The Old Testament prophesies his eternity. Micah chapter five. We look at verse number two. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. From everlasting. Go to Proverbs 8. It's pretty amazing. He comes from infinite glory. Leaves the dwelling place of the third heaven to come down in the simplicity of human flesh. To not only fulfill and obey the will of the Father, but to die for you and I on a cross. If we were to just stop, pause, and park and meditate, think about that for a minute, you just allow your mind to wander on just how wretched and awful. And sinful that we are. Yet Christ came and died. I can't think of a greater love. You don't let your child go sleep out. I mean, it was cold this morning. I was thinking about having Hannah and Josiah sleep out with the hogs. And, uh, you know, you'd go to jail for that. I mean, <laughs> just, just, you, you can't do that yet. Christ born in a manger with put up for the night Mary and Joseph with livestock because he loved us that much he was willing to do that be born in those conditions by the way that's the filth of man's heart that's where the cattle dung is and that's where the urine smell is and that's where the awful stench is that's our black heart of sin. Christ came to die the sins of the world. Proverbs chapter number 8, verse 23. It says, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, 
before ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. And he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, and he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Jesus was his name pertaining to his humanity. And it's important to draw out that distinction when we talk about the birth of Christ because it wasn't the birth of God. It wasn't the beginning of God. It was God manifest in a body of flesh. And that body had a beginning. Jesus didn't. In the beginning was the word. Proverbs 8, Old Testament prophecy. If we draw out that distinction, that answers a lot of questions on these these false groups that want to say, well, you Christians, you've got three gods. No, we've got one God where there are three that bear a record in heaven. Father, the word, Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Wasn't it one plus one plus one? No, it's one times one times one. Okay. <laughs> you, can't, you can't exhaust that with human thought. Great is the mystery of godliness. Not he, some of the modern versions. God was manifest. The body of flesh. God. A lot of us. All of us. Everybody we see was manifest in the body of flesh. When you find out God was, that's a great mystery. There's some verses in the Bible that will just boggle your mind if you or I meditate on them long enough. so-called professors that profess themselves to be wise. Well, can you prove all that you believe? No. Can you? No. But I'm telling you, we don't have a blind faith. How are you going to be able to scientifically prove a virgin birth? God didn't ask us to try to prove everything in his word. He gave us truth. He revealed it to us through conscience, creation, and the gospel. And he declares who he is. And we must either believe him by faith or not. But he was manifest in the body of flesh. And it was a virgin birth. I go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Probably can't convince anybody here to give up their retirement fund or their 50. I don't even know what all the numbers and letters are for the investments, but just turn over all your investments. Just go ahead. You're not going to convince me, and I'm not going to convince you to do that. Second Corinthians chapter number eight. 
For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Who's ready to give up their retirement fund? That might just scratch the surface of what Christ gave up for you and I. Because we, outside of Christ, here on earth, are so abundantly rich in America. How do people have five hundred to five thousand dollars to spend between November twenty fifth and December twenty fourth for gifts to give to other people? Yet they can't spend five dollars on missions for the for the for the proclamation and the outgoing of the gospel to this lost and dying world. Because they're rich. And somebody's going to say, oh, thanks for that fur coat. Oh, thanks for that, you know, widget, whatever the widget is. I don't know. I can't figure out, nor do I want to, nor can you. And I would submit probably nor do you want to try to figure out everybody's motives. I'm just telling you, this time of year, when money is spent abundantly, we all know where Black Friday came from, right? The business is getting the black. One day of sales. Jesus Christ, for our sakes, came poor. And we have a hard time because it's too cold outside. To go out and just tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to, it's going to, it's going to mess with our comfort. And because we're so rich, we can sit by the fire. Because we're so rich, we can turn on the heat. Because we're so rich, we can go buy another blanket and another jacket. Not a one of us is going to sleep out with livestock. Well, unless you're a missionary going to. The bush, they call it. The birth of Christ is more about an emotional feeling that people get when they might read a Hallmark card or hear a heart-moving emotional song. It's about the great Savior of the world becoming poor for our sakes. And being born in a filthy nature. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Jesus said verily verily I say unto you. Before Abraham was. I am. Jesus. Always was. It's just. His, that name Jesus refers to. His humanity. Now as a side note. We won't do a, a deep dive on this. Uh, let's get Luke chapter 1 as we do that. Luke chapter 1, I'll give you this thought. There is a movement that 
is trying to get away from the name Jesus. They do not want his name mentioned. And these groups will attach Israelite to their name. You will hear black Hebrew Israelite. They don't want to use Jesus uh, because there's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just thank the Lord. Um, but eventually you're going to run into one of these fellas. We, 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 we ran into one so far in, in Cookville, now at Dogwood Park, when we first got here. And or there's the British side, the, you know, the white, because you've got to have the black and white side. So, you know, the British Israelites, they same thing. They think they're Israel. They're not. And they want to get rid of the name of Jesus. So if you start talking to them about Jesus, they'll say, no, no, you're not using his proper name. This world and fake religion wants to do all they can to get rid of mentioning the name of Jesus Christ. So what I say to them is, well, since you're so good at Hebrew, just Speak to me in the whole conversation in Hebrew. And they can't, because <laughs> they don't know Hebrew. They know a few words that they want to try to trip you up on. In English, his name is Jesus. We don't speak Hebrew. Now, if we did, that's a different story. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. And... I would submit to all of us that we say his name more often. Not like the world does in irreverence and using it as a curse word. But with its, its magnificent power and its magnificent glory and the proclamation of who he is. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, Prince of Peace. Uh, Luke chapter number one, look at verse 26. Watch verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Virgin used twice in the same verse. We have a virgin birth. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail. Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. This is a salutation here given. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus. That's what we call his name. Back in verse 19, we see, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that say in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. It's the announcement of the glad tidings. Look at verse 32. As we see his position. You call his name Jesus, but watch his position. Verse 32. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be 
no end. I'd like to look at this morning a few reasons why, through the scriptures, as we do a, a Bible study on the birth of Christ and why it's so important. Why is his position so great? Titus chapter 2. We'll find one reason. Titus chapter 2. Could go there, please. And get your finger at 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy 2 and Titus chapter 2. Why is his position so great? Why is the Lord so great? Look at Titus 2, verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know why he is so great? Because he is the Savior. And he is the only Savior. He's the exclusive Savior. And anything or anybody else that tries to take his place as Savior is 100% wrong. It's only Jesus Christ as the Savior. Can't we have multiple Saviors? No. Can't we have multiple gods and just put Jesus Christ up on the shelf? No. You can't. Now, in your own mind, you can, but that's going to lead you right to the depths of hell because there's many ways to get to hell <laughs> because there's many little G gods to worship. Really one way, just idolatry and not believing on the one who saved you. But the point is people have thousands of little G gods and every single one of them will send them to the same place. There's only one savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who was virgin born in a manger. First Timothy 2. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 6. Well, verse 5 is the world will start. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Why is he so great? Because he became a ransom. He gave himself a ransom for all. Our message goes out to all. Because whosoever would believe. That's what our gospel is. It's a whosoever gospel. Now there are some that will reject the gospel. And that will be. They're doomed. Nonetheless, we proclaim the gospel to all. It's not our job to try to save somebody. It's not our job to be a ransom for someone. Our job is to point people and show people why he is so great. One, he's great. We're going through why. Go back to the Old Testament, First Chronicles, First Second Samuel. Then you go through the Book of Kings. Then you'll come to the Book of Chronicles. We'll stay in First Chronicles, chapter twenty-one. It is First Chronicles twenty-one. First Chronicles twenty-one, and we'll do two at a time. So get Hebrews chapter two as well. 
Hebrews 2. First Chronicles chapter 21 be verse number 13 I believe it is yes first uh, Chronicles 21 verse 13 and David said unto God I am in a great strait let me fall now into the hand of the Lord for very great are his mercies and let me not fall into the hand of man now we're not doing a deep dive into first Chronicles in this chapter but I brought you to this verse to show in the Old Testament that God is great because he is merciful. He is a merciful God. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And verse number 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. The salvation that he provides. He's not only a great savior, but the salvation that he provides is so great. That's what makes him a great savior. He's a great savior. He's a ransom. He's merciful. That's what makes him great. He shall be great. We're looking at his position. It was proclaimed in Luke 1. He shall be great. Why? His salvation is great. Let's do two more. Psalm 31. Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verse number 19. Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Aren't you amazed? I mean, this is supposed to be a time when people would consider the Savior. Put aside the history and what you may or may not believe about all these holidays, but this is supposed to be. You know how many, I'm amazed at how many people, they just don't want to even consider Jesus Christ. It used to be, remember in Bible school, my pastor gave this lesson and he said, you know, 30 years ago when I started knocking doors, he said, you would get into half of the, the homes. Meaning they'd invite you in. And 99.9% .9 of the people believed there was a God. And the conversations weren't, yeah, who cares about Christ? The conversations were you were arguing doctrine. <laughs> That's a good place to be if you can find somebody that invites you in and then wants to say, well, I think the Bible says this. Well, I think the Bible says it. That's a good place to be. Not anymore. People don't care. They don't care that God is good. They don't care that he offers a great salvation. They don't care that he's merciful. We're in a real mess. Last year, we got into one home. One home. 
That was it. And God's a good God. Verse number 19. Laid up for them that fear thee, and now there's no fear of God. So that's why you get a knock on the door for Christians in the area. We'd like to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll get a closure and you'll hear the deadbolt go. Or you'll say the same thing and then their first response will be church Christ. Their first response will be, well, I've been going to church my whole life. No, thanks. I'm good. I've been baptized. Do you fear God? And it's the same responses. I'm not saying that so that we all get weared out. But I don't want to wear anybody out. I just want to let you know that when you're dealing with the world, it can wear you out. We don't always go back to that manger scene, remembering that filth of sin, that reflection of what that manger scene pictures. That was where you and I were. And the danger of being in a Bible teaching in a Bible believing church is that we can get so much Bible that we'll get bitter at those that just don't care. And we've got to check our hearts because it's frustrating to me. And I'm sure it is to you. You talk to somebody, and they don't even care. There's no fear of God at all in their eyes. Let's not forget where we came from. Let's go back to Luke 1, Luke chapter 1, verse, look at this person, Luke 1, 35, I think it is. Uh, Luke 1, 35. And the angel, uh, it, verse 34, then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That's Christ, the eternal Son of the eternal Father. Eternal God the Son, eternal God the Father. And through the eternal Holy Ghost, through the eternal Holy Spirit, Offered himself. You've got the Trinity right in that verse. You've got the three and one right in that verse. Eternal Son, Eternal Father, Eternal Holy Ghost, Eternal Spirit, Holy Spirit. That's his person. That's his person. Look how he is exalted. Uh, let's go down to verse 40, 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath set empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and he spake 
to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. That's his exaltation. A couple of things to note. If you look at verse number 28, Mary, verse 28, uh, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, that thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Uh, uh, among women. Mary, some biblical facts, she was highly favored of the Lord. Ladies should try to model Mary. You want to have a life that is highly favored of the Lord. But look at verse number 47. Watch what Mary also knew. What else is a fact here in the Bible? And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Yes, she was highly favored of the Lord. But yes, she recognized she needed a Savior. Uh, Luke 2. Luke 2. Uh, verse number 22. Uh, started at 21. And when eight days were accomplished, for circumcising the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem. To present him to the Lord. And it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now we're not doing a deep dive in this. But she knows she needed a sin offering. So Mary knew. She's not the mediatrix as the Roman Catholic Church would try to convince you to believe. We go through the book of Luke verse by verse. We'll get more in depth than that, but if we do it now. We'll never get through the rest of the verses. Uh, look at John chapter number 19. John 19. Verse number 26. John 19, verse number 26. Mary also knew that she needed to be taken care of. When Jesus, verse 26 of John 19, therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by him who he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. She knew she needed to be taken care of. She knew she needed a sin offering. She, need, she knew she needed a savior. Go to Acts chapter number one. We'll show you what else she knew. Acts chapter number one. Acts one, look at verse 13. When they, had, when they were come in, they were, I'm sorry, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealots, and Judas, the brother of James. They all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. You know what Mary also knew she needed? Prayer. 
She knew she needed prayer. She knew she needed to take care of. She knew she needed a sin offering. She knew she needed a savior. Look at the fourth verse in Acts chapter number one. Uh, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You know who was there as well? Well, we just read it in verse 14. Mary, she knew she needed to receive the Holy Spirit. Before that, you would see the Holy Spirit came and went. But now, Christians, you receive the Holy Spirit you will never be left comfortless. Never. If you think all is gone, if you think all is lost, if you think it's just you, which at times, don't we feel like that? You've got a comfort. And Mary knew she needed Holy Spirit. And she received the Holy Spirit. John chapter 2. John 2, uh, John chapter 2, verse number 3. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. We've got some messages online you can listen to about uh, this chapter and alcohol, strong drink, and whether it was or weren't, we're not going to get into that now. But his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That, that was what Mary left them with. <laughs> if, if my son Jesus said it, then just be quiet and do it. <laughs> All moms can relate to that. You just, you just go ahead and do it. Just do it. But she pointed, not to herself as some type of mediator. She pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, whom she knew she needed a Savior. And we went through all that, so we won't go through it again. But there's no place, there's no thought, there's no exposition anywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament, any, anywhere throughout the whole Bible, where Mary is to be exalted as some type of mediatrix or as some type of um, helper in the work of God's salvation plan. Outside of God's, she was highly favored and God sought to use her the same way that we as Christ's body can be used by the Lord to give his message. We don't, I'm careful. I don't like to say soul winning because that's a, I don't win any salt. I give the testimony. You give the testimony. We stand there as a witness. You stand there on the witness stand for Jesus Christ and you proclaim who he is. That's the only part we play. We deliver and proclaim and declare who the son of God is. And then God will give the increase. 
after you've planted a seed and you've watered, and you've watered, and I've watered, and oh, we finally talked to, and then salvation took place. Who saved them? The last person to talk to them? No, God. <laughs> we all just got to play a part in that. I look back on my salvation. If you look back on your, you can see most, most of them are, I heard something, then I heard something from somebody else. And I got a question answered about this. Then I was confused about that when I talked to this person. Then I read a gospel track and I heard some nut preaching outside on the square. And then I saw some uh, van go th with a bunch of kids on the back that said, Christ Jesus came into the world. And, you know, some guy gave me a movie card. And, <laughs> and then, who? how do you know? All of that is just us being used by God. Who, who saved them? The Lord Jesus Christ did. That's the part that we play in the gospel. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.